Welcome to Getting Credit, a podcast focusing on financial markets, corporate credit, and timely insights from Aristotle Funds. Here's your host, Dominic Nolan, CEO of Aristotle Pacific Capital, the sub-advisor for the Aristotle Funds Fixed Income Funds. Hello, and welcome to number 66. In the next 10 minutes, we will go over recent market action, the economy, the Fed, touch on the shipping crisis, opportunities in fixed income, and close with a personal reflection. Let's begin. Let's start with market action in January. The markets are really coming off a strong November, December, and I'd call it a fourth quarter melt up. I would describe January's performance as sound. The S&P 500 index was up a little more than one and a half percent. The Russell 1000 growth index was up about two and a half percent. I think the real story though is rates, and in particular, the 10-year treasury. It started the year at about 3.9%, which is about the same level it started in 2023. It's now 11 basis points higher, and as we record this, it's even above 4%. The consensus for over a year now has been that rates should drop, but the tenure continues to defy most investor expectations. So why is that? First and foremost, the economy has been more resilient than investors think. Atlanta Fed GDP now is currently forecasting Q1 GDP at over 4%. That's another big print. Now, consensus is 3%, so my guess is between now and the end of the quarter, GDP will probably ratchet down from the 4% to more consensus level. But keep in mind about the past three quarters, those were quarters a year ago that were thought to be going through a recession. So the economy has surprised massively to the upside. Another positive for the economy was the January jobs report. That came in at more than 353,000, which was a significant surprise given expectations. Unemployment remains at 3.7%, and below the surface, there were revisions to previous months higher, and things such as temp employment edged higher. That is something that had been weakening, but over the past couple months has edged higher. When we shift to the consumer, consumer spending has been pretty much flat year over year. But on the corporate side, there's a lot of infrastructure spend coming into play, which means capital expenditures on the corporate side are helping. So we sum all this up. GDP is surprising to the upside. The employment picture is positive. The consumer has been flat. Corporations are doing well. So why are there so many recession mongers? So why are there so many recession mongers? The economy has been slowing for certain over the past six to nine months, but it's still growing. So if you can interpret the slowing as a problem, but what they've missed is the growing, and that's resulted in positive GDP and strong employment. Given the economic backdrop, what does this mean for the Fed? I think what we're facing is the markets toggling between expectations of strong economic growth, meaning the Fed is less likely to cut or vice versa. So when we have a strong economic print, such as the employment report, rates go up, probabilities of cuts drop. Capital markets are viewing that as good news, bad news. But what we're really talking about are moves of one to 2%. So to me, the real question is if the economy is sound, but not hot, is that enough for the Fed to cut? If we have two to 3% GDP, which was far higher than consensus a year ago, and inflation sitting between 2 to 3%. Is that enough for the Fed to cut? We'll see. 
I think the Fed has actually navigated itself into a reasonable spot. A soft landing has now become the probability, and last year it turned out the Fed was right to hold tight. The economy is still strong, and the Fed to me now has a bigger window to get it right and bring the economy in for a soft landing. Expectations are currently for five to six cuts this year. Personally, I think that's a little too dovish. My base case is for three to four cuts. As of today, I think a March cut is off the table. So now if they don't cut in March, now you're getting to May. And right now the May cut probability is below 50%. So then you get into June in the second half of the year, if the Fed ends up cutting in every other meeting or close to every meeting in the second half, that gets you to three or four cuts, which gets back to the original point. The market seems to be a bit overzealous on rate cuts. With the Fed focus on inflation, a topic we have been getting quite a few inquiries about are the Panama and Suez Canal bottlenecks. Let's start with the Suez Canal, which controls about 13% of global maritime trade. That number is down 50% due to the Iranian-backed Houthis attacking ships with drones. On the Panama Canal side, boat traffic is down 33%, but for a completely different reason. There is a drought in the region, and the water shortage is restricting the filling of certain locks. So the Suez issue has been induced by humans. The Panama challenges have been induced by Mother Nature. Either way, it's bottlenecking supply chains because the ships are either delayed, paying more for traversing the canals, or having to add thousands of miles to their routes by going around the tips of South Africa or South America. So what does this mean for inflation? Well, surprisingly, I don't think it means much. It's estimated that the cost of goods sold, not the final purchase price, but the cost of goods sold will go up about 2 to 3%. So let's assume cost of goods sold is around 30% of a product, which means the final price would go up just a fraction of that. In total, transportation costs are about 2% of total operating costs for the S&P 500. So these delays at the canals will amount to less than 1% of additional costs. In my opinion, the business can choose to either absorb it and take a margin hit or pass it through to a consumer. From a pure economic standpoint, the direct impact results in a marginal tax. However, geopolitical elements result in a whole new set of risk factors. Now let's jump into fixed income. Where are there opportunities? Well, let's start with yields. General yields on the aggregate index are about 4.6%. Short-term corporate bonds are a little over five and a quarter. Intermediate-term bonds are a little over five. High yield is sitting at about 7.8% yields, and floating rate loans are over 10%. As we've been saying for over a year now, floating rate loans continue to be one of the most underappreciated asset classes in fixed income. With the aggregate index yield now around 4.5%, and because the Fed is leaving short-term rates so high, the delta between the ag and floating rate loans is almost 600 basis points. Think about two years ago, most investment grade bonds were down double digits. Floating rate loans were flat, really down 1%. Last year, bonds were up about 5.5%. Floating rate loans were up 13%. Going into this year, the yield for floating rate loans is over 10%. If you just do the bond math, for investment-grade bonds to make up just the yield component, that's 600 basis points, 
rates need to drop about 100 basis points, which means the 10-year Treasury needs to move close to 3%, and it's currently over 4. That's a big rate call, folks. So even with that math, floating rate loans have seen outflows in 80 to 90% of the weeks over the past 18 months. Many investors think they can time rates. I would say the long end of the curve is so hard to time and get right. I think there are quite a few investors that, quote, know rates are going to drop, and so they're extending duration. But that's like knowing when equities are going to drop. It's a huge call, in my opinion, given the difficulty of timing long-term rates, and investors continue to miss this opportunity. As always, I'll close with a personal reflection. We recently interviewed an individual for an intern position, and the feedback was she did a great job. But in particular, the feedback was she never used any filler words, such as ums or ahs, in her responses. People use ums, ahs, so, you know, common filler words, often in communication. And many times it takes away from the impact of all their other words. The intern candidate reminded me once again, there is strength in silence or a pause. But to harness that, you have to be comfortable with the silence. It's really impressive to see. And in case you're wondering, she will be working with us this summer. I'll leave you with that. Thank you and stay tuned. The views in this commentary are as of the date recorded and are presented for informational purposes only. These views should not be construed as investment advice, an endorsement of any security, mutual fund, sector, or index, or to predict performance of any investment. The opinions expressed herein are subject to change without notice, as market and other conditions warranted. Any performance data quoted represents past performance, which does not guarantee future results. Any forward-looking statements are not guaranteed. All material is compiled from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed.